ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. The Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank is freezing out there, everybody. Stay warm. Good Lord. It's, it's, it's too cold for this Southern boy. I don't even care what my friends up north say. And I'll tell you this. All of them that move down here and spend a little bit of time living in the South, I mean, Mr. Greg Larnard, among others, Luke Johnson, who grew up in Wisconsin, they're like, yeah, I, it, it's all cold to me now, right? You just, I guess if I lived up north, I would get used to the cold, but that's not something I really want to do. Anyway, I'm rambling about the weather. Let's talk sports. Seth Lewis from Seth Lewis Incorporated from KTC TV3, as promised, joins me now. Good morning, Seth. What's up, man? It's It's been a while since we chatted on the air. How are you? I'm, I'm good. It's cold. You you mentioned that. It's, it's very cold. And anybody that complains from up north, let's just get this out of the way. Anyone that complains up north about us whining, we have humidity with our cold down here. So it's, it's just a different thing. It really is. All right, Seth. Um, a, a different a different beast. That's a good way to ask you the first question. I mean, you and, and Andrew <laughs> and Bree, y'all do such a good job of, of covering high school football. And with four area teams left playing this Friday and six as a whole left in the playoffs, two in the division's um, a select bracket, you know, playing next weekend in the, in the championships, what, which, which schools from this area do you think are winning a state championship this year? I mean... You know, I, I hate to I hate to be uh, a fence guy. Uh, it may, may even sound like a political answer, but I really think all of them could. And uh, I'm not saying that as hyperbole. You know, I really do believe that uh, each team has a chance. <clears throat> you look at St. Thomas More, for example, uh, who's not playing this weekend. Obviously, they're the defending champs in Division Two. And, you know, they may have an even better squad than last year. And they'll be taking on De La Salle, who is a, a team that they beat in the state championship game last year. You look at LCA. LCA has won three straight state championships, and they'll be going for their fourth. But then when you look at Acadiana, Acadiana was the state champ in 5A and 4A. Karen Crow is the number one seed. And, I mean, you know, when you talk about Class 4A, it's always about three teams. Carr, Warren Easton, and Neville, you're going to have to beat one or multiple of those teams at some point if you plan on winning a state championship. And they have all of the tools. They have all of the tools to get that done, and it's clear with, with their one seed. The only team that they lost to all year was STM. They blanked West Monroe. I don't know the last time West Monroe has been shut out in the game. It's, I'm sure it's been quite some time. And then even in 3A, when you talk about Church Point and Church Point knocked off the defending 3A state champs in St. James. So, I mean, legitimately, I'm not I'm not just saying that to, to be nice. I can see all of those teams walking away with the trophy. Now, is that likely? Probably not because just the odds of it all. But they all have really good chances uh, to be walking away from Natchitoches with uh, state titles in a couple weeks. Yeah, and and probably the cold weather, but I guess they won't care what the weather is when they're winning, right? Nah, you know, everybody wants to play in the dome, right, because it's a, a, a pro stadium. Not only is it a pro stadium, it's world-known, um, the Superdome. And so it's there is a prestige, there is a, um, a magic with it, you know, being able to play on that stage. I actually remember the last state championships 
as a whole because, of course, the uh, the private state championships weren't in New Orleans last year. But as a whole, I remember the last time that state championships weren't in New Orleans. It was in 2005. It was the Katrina year. And state championships were in Shreveport that year at the Independence Bowl. And, you know, Opus was Catholic, which is you know where I went to school. They were in the state championship that year against Evangel. And, I mean, it was still a great atmosphere, right? Like, it was still a title game. You, you recognize that. But it's not the dome. It's not the lights. It's not the logo. It's not the, the jerseys in the, in, the, in, the, um, in the roof, in the rafters. You know, it's, it's not that. It's not the jumbotron. Uh, it's, it's just not that. And so um, that's unfortunate, right, that, that they won't be able to do it. But if you ask any of those teams, they say, we'll play in a barn, we'll play in space, we'll play in Spain, we'll play on the, in the ocean. Like, wherever we need to play to, to make these state championships happen, we'll get it done. Um, so, um, and we're getting it. You know, in a, in a year of the only thing that's been certain in 2020 is uncertainty. And to be getting these state championship games in itself, we have to be thankful for that. Seth Lewis, our guest, ESPN 1420. I'm Scott Prey. Uh, speaking of beast again, the Pelicans had their first preseason game last night, and uh, it's the preseason. That's all it is. It's an exhibition. But Zion Williamson's a beast. I don't whether he's playing basketball or not. I mean, he's just he's a beast. Good to see him play a lot of minutes. He looked fine. He looked, he, he moved well from a conditioning standpoint. That's obviously something that you want to see early on. 26 points, 11 boards, 2 assists, 8 of 13 from the field. 10 of 11 at the line. Said he's been working a ton with Fred Vincent on his free throws. B.I. 22 points, 6 boards, 6 assists. I'm not making any long-term judgments whatsoever off of an exhibition. Don't worry, guys. I'm not. Just want to point out that the that you know from a conditioning standpoint, Zion looked good. Bi shot was falling, man. But it just it, it it just felt good to have the Pelicans on the TV and Zion playing football. Playing football, huh? It looks like football. That's what I mean, man. I mean, you when when he gets the ball, you, you he gets man. down the court. Do it's I like want to try to get get out of the oh, way? No, God. no, for real, no basketball. But I mean. My goodness, the way he's moving on the floor, it's yeah. like, get out get out the way. Yeah, I mean, you said it. You, know, you, you took a, a, a lot of my sentiments, which is it's preseason, right? Like, there's not really much that can be uh, had from it. You know, you're talking about, you know, multiple players out for both sides. That's, that's going to be normal with things. So you have to look for some of the in-between things. And uh, one of them was his movement. Um, he moved very well. It's probably the best that I've seen him move in the NBA. And so that was really encouraging to see. Um, there was even a, a, a play where uh, I think it was a, a dribble handoff to – it was from Steven Adams to him, and um, he kind of knifed his way to the basket. I thought that was a, a really uh, good-looking move, especially with him being able to dribble to the hole and – uh, and, and be able to score that too. And then the free throws, you know, 10 of 11, you know, you, those are things, movement, how someone moves, free throws, being able to shoot well. Like those are things that can translate to the, to the regular season. 
because he's a bad free throw shooter. It doesn't matter if, if no one's in the gym or if it's uh, a packed house. Like if you if you can't shoot free throws, uh, maybe it'd be a little bit better without a crowd. But like it's not going to be ten of eleven. Now of course it could have been just a really good night for him too. But those are things. The movement, the free throws, those are encouraging signs. Uh, Brandon Ingram getting shots, pretty similar to how he got shots last year. And um, and being aggressive, maybe those are things that can translate. That's the things that you have to look at in the preseason because you know, like I know me and you are both very high on Naw, uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker, and he was incredible in the preseason and in summer league last year. But in the regular season, he was it not wasn't good. That yeah, same, no, he was he was bad. He, he, yeah, it, he was bad. Like it wasn't that same production, and he had a great game tonight, right? But. You can't read into that too much because it's the preseason. We yeah. just don't know. So, but I, but I, I really like what I saw from from Zion as far as movement goes in his free throw shooting. Uh, here is a little bit from uh, Brandon Ingram after the win last night. Hey, uh, Christian Clark here. One more time before we get out of here, I just uh, gotta ask what what you kind of see on the play where he got the dunk right before halftime. Well, I just seen the open lane. I just seen the open lane, and uh, in that first quarter. Uh, Josh Hart made a play to me, and, and I could have dunked the basketball, but uh, I laid it up soft, and, a, and some and Mo Hartless blocked it. So for me, it was just trying to get back to the rim, finish strong, and, and live with the results. Uh, that question from a friend of the program, Christian Clark. But yeah, if you had told me a player is going to have a, a a dunk highlight in the game, I would have guessed Zion. Turned out it was Brandon Ingram. That was a a monster jam he threw down. You know, getting back to the free throws for just a minute, you're going to need that because one one issue I think this roster has is in terms of their players on the wings and their guards and their and their small forwards, you know, they don't get to the line at a high clip and you don't have very many guards that really push it inside and get to the line. And that's that's an issue, man. Um, I think it, it, it can really win you some games, especially when the season slows down. I guess I'm thinking long term, but... Uh, but whenever, but obviously, you know, Zion can get to the line a ton, and 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 if he's hitting him there, that's good. And uh, and you know, one thing from Brandon Ingram, you you, you want to see the defense improve this year. Not going to make any judgments off an exhibition, and I won't make any judgments probably until we're a month or a month and a half into the season. But I I like how honest he is about it. Right? He was asked about how he did on defense last night, and he uh, gave a uh, let's just say it's a four letter word that rhymes with. Um, kick, kit, right? Uh, we'll go there. Um, so he, you know, and he had three steals, but I, I between him and Reddick, who I know didn't play last night, um, and, and Steven Adams, you know, we, we've, the New Orleans Hornets slash Pelicans, they've had a few, a few players over the years that were a good quote, but usually not, I mean, you, the media is gonna have, and the fan base is gonna have plenty of good quotes this year with those guys in the locker room. Man, it's it's it should be fun. It should be fun, especially if they if they win more than they lose. I don't, you know, I, I don't I, I don't know how many they're gonna win or lose. The betting odds have them finishing around five hundred. Remember, it's a seventy two game season. Um, but but I I do believe this. I believe they're gonna be a really fun team this year, Seth. Yeah, I think it's gonna be fun to watch. I think it's gonna be fun to see how they develop. You know, I think it's going to be fun to watch how, you know, Stan Van Gundy implements his defense. Maybe that's not the most fun thing to watch. That's not really something that you necessarily 
you say, oh, defense installation, but uh, but it'll be interesting to watch for certain. And um, they have a lot of young pieces. You know, it's going to be really interesting to see what guys take second leaps. You know, like what guys um, improve this year. Like I, I'm really interested to see, like in the in the midst of all of the the wings and uh, guards and that rotation. I'm really interested to see how Josh Hart develops because I think Josh Hart has a really smooth game in general, and I wonder if he improves the shooting numbers uh, at all. Not to say that they were bad, but just um, I, I wonder if those uh, go up. You know, I wonder what the rotation is going to be like at the guard spot. Like, you know, the, the talk is of Lonzo and, and, and Butso potentially starting together, but um, do they decide to maybe put somebody like a J.J. Redick in the starting lineup to just get a little bit more shooting um, in the in the starting five, you know, um, because like you said with guards, you know, you you can't. It's it's hard to be a good offensive team if you're not great at shooting threes or and or getting to the free throw line. Like you 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 kind of have to be one of those. Like you you have to be really a really good free throw shooter, or you need to be uh, really prolific uh, from outside. Um, at least in my opinion. And so, and especially in today's NBA uh, and analytics of, you know, everything comes inside or, or from the three-point line. So, um, it'll, it'll, be fun to, it'll be fun to watch, though, uh, just, just overall and, and just how B.I. and Zion um, take the reins uh, on this team that is now clearly theirs. Seth Lewis of KTC TV3, our guest, ESPN 1420N.com. Uh, the NBA season tips off a week from the day, Pelican season a week from tomorrow. It's crazy. Um, a lot of stuff going on. We talked high school football. We talked state championships. We talked NBA. I mean, we, we, college hoops as well, man, starting with the game last night in Baton Rouge between the Raging Cajun women and the uh, the LSU Tigers. Uh, Five-point loss for the Cajun. LSU wins by five, you know, I think when you look at the stat sheet and you're like, man, Cajuns really hung around despite a difficult night shooting, especially in the first half. But um, as you know, th- th- they scheduled that game late, and uh, it was after the Southeastern game for Saturday got canceled. Coach Broadhead wants to play, man. You know, they've already had a number of games canceled this year, and he says, look, I- I'm, not, I'm we're disappointed we lost. That's what he told me last night after the game. We're disappointed we lost, but. You know, only way we can get better and improve is if we're playing. And they got a tough matchup tomorrow against Rice, uh, which is a two o'clock game, one forty-five pregame here on fourteen twenty. I, I, you know, I don't. I, I feel like um, it was uh, a close game, obviously, and at the same time, Seth, I don't like. I, I feel like this team is going to finish. I don't think they're winning the Sun Belt. I, fi- I think they're going to finish probably maybe second in their division. Like I, I feel like they're going to have a good bit of success in conference play. But what's your, what's your assessment of of an expectation of the, the Rage Occasion women's basketball team this year? I think that, you know, they have kind of been steadily improving since maybe a couple years ago when they were really, really young. And uh, it almost kind of relates to the Pelicans a little bit. But, um, you know, I'm just really interested to see um, how certain people develop because I think that's going to be the difference between 
maybe them being middle of the pack in the Sun Belt and being a potential contender um, to, to win the, the Sun Belt championship. You know, uh, like somebody like a Brandy Williams. You know, Brandy Williams is, is someone who's uh, who at times can be a very dynamic scorer, but, you know, like the she raised her game to another level. We've heard a lot about Kimberly Burton and her range being extended um, during this offseason. You know, uh, Ty Doucette is Ty Doucette. I mean, the Bill Platt native, she is a beast. Uh, you know, you can you can pretty much count on her uh, night in and night out for her 15, 16 points and 12, 13 rebounds. Um, but I think that's I think really that's the, the biggest thing that you're looking at. And you like that they finished uh, five points behind LSU. Now, LSU, I don't really know what type of team that they have because that was their first win on the season and the, uh, the other games that they played this year weren't necessarily close. That, that, uh, yeah, I, I was, yeah, I was going to ask you, you know, your thoughts on them as well. But it's I'm kind of feeling the same way. It's hard to – it's really hard for me to gauge that game last night. I, I, I don't know what either of these teams are going to be. I mean, I'm glad they played the game, and, and they'll, you know, a tough task tomorrow against Rice for the, uh, for the Cajuns. But it's, it's hard to gauge it. Let, let, let's, let's shift gears briefly. Uh, Cajun men, they're, they're playing tonight against UNO, 5.30 pregame, 6 o'clock tip. Folks can hear it on the radio here and on News Talk 96.5 KPL. I mean, that, that went on Saturday, Seth. Um, that's a game that I think, you know, you're down 14 or, or yeah, 14 at the half, 16 early second half. And, I mean, you and I were both on that, co- you know, the press conference after the game. You hear Cedric Russell. You hear uh, Malik Wilson. And they didn't come right out and just say, this is a game we definitely would have lost last year. I mean, they're not going to say definitely or anything like that. Uh, but they insinuated that, yeah, last year the, the second half probably would have been different. Right, and and I know that you know from a rebounding standpoint, it was a little different last year. But you know, I think Cedric said we probably would have had guys playing maybe a little too much ISO, trying to do it themselves. And you know, this team is really together, and that's how we that's how we came back in the second half and erased the deficit and won. You know, we played as a team. Um, you're only five games into it, and when you lose by Baylor in the first game of the season, well, it's on the road against you know, granted neutral floor, but it's on the road against the number one team in the country. I, I think over these last four, I think they've gotten a little bit better each game. Despite the rough first half on Saturday, that wasn't good. But the second half, it just feels like if you took each game as a whole instead of maybe half by half, it seems like they're playing better each game. They only beat UNO by three in their first matchup. This Let's see what they do tonight at home. But I think this team is improving by the game, and and that's – that's promising as you, you head into conference play pretty soon, uh, January 1. I I would agree with you that it's, it's promising now. You know, of course, part of the success that they've had is playing against non-Division one teams in LSUS and LSUA. So some of those results have to be taken with the grain of salt. Like the, those, those, those two, those those games, two like for sure. Games. I mean, those two yeah, for sure. I, mean? I, I think, yeah. I, I mean, and look, when you've got the size advantage over those two that you do, you know, you, 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 you again, the first half, I was, I'll say this. It seems like the first half in all of these games hasn't, they have not played up to a standard that I think they would expect of themselves, even, even sure. in those two games. I, so I shouldn't say sure. with each game, I should say this, you know, they need to, 
They need to figure out what to do in the first half. But I think in the second half of games, you've seen um, some promises of a good basketball team. In the first half of games, not so much. I think if you looked at the these these all five games, even the one against Baylor, that's I guess my takeaway. So you know, what is this team? Are they more of the what they've shown in the first half, or are they more of what they've shown in the second half so far? I don't know, but but there's there's there's, there's some promise there. Yeah, well, and make no mistake about it. Saturday's win was a very quality win, not only because they came down, came back from down 16, but because Louisiana Tech is not a scrub, like by by any stretch. Like they're going to be a team that's definitely going. I would expect for them to compete for Conference USA this year. So to be able to come back on a team like that from down 16, and then even once they got the lead, they never squandered it after that i mean that was a really impressive showing in general and maybe they didn't want to say it but i'll say it no way they win that game last year Mm-mm. no way like that like like that team that in itself the heart the resiliency that they showed in that second half showed me that this team has matured a lot now there's a lot of different pieces on this team right but that in itself showed me okay this team is different like this team has Something in the the motor in, uh, under the hood, as uh, Urban Meyer would say, um, that that is a winning formula. And so, you know, I think the interesting thing about them is when they get maybe some of the guys that are out right now. You know, like if a Trajan Wesley returns, if a Kobe Julian returns, you know, when if if those people are to come back. And, uh, and help contribute the, the transfer from California, you know, um, what can this team look like? Because this team already looks pretty decent. The size inside is, uh, man, it's, it's, it's night and day from last year, right? You know, when you talk about um, Duguay coming back, but also when you talk about uh, Isaiah Richards uh, and his ability um, to, to, to board Akuba, uh, Theo, you know, and as and, and his presence inside, uh, and you combine that with Cedric and Malik, which, you know, Malik is just a, a, a phenomenal athlete um, and phenomenal basketball player. But when you start adding more to that rotation uh, on top of some of the guys that they already have, have playing now, it is going to be really interesting to see just how good they can get because, like I said, they have a couple guys that are out right now that I think are really good basketball players, or at the very least, guys that deserve to be in the rotation. So that, that I think, is going to determine. I think they're more of the second-half team than the first-half team, to answer your question. But I think that's really going to determine how far they go is when some of these other guys start coming back into the fold, uh, just how they mix in with everything because um, – I, I, I think they have a, I think they have a chance um, to be pretty good. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. Um, I think the, the the way that they can be Seth obviously is chemistry and getting some guys back. I mean, let's not forget there. You know, I think that the three players that were selected as their leadership council are all hurt right now, dealing with injuries. So, you know, once you get to February, where are you at in conference when you start getting some of these guys back? And I think that'll go a long way toward it. But but you got to. I guess I like what I'm seeing from a chemistry standpoint. It's probably my biggest takeaway. Are they going to, you know, be really good in conference? I I don't know. I don't know. But but so far, 
I think they're trending in a positive direction. Seth Lewis from KTC TV guest. Give him a follow on Twitter if you're not already at Seth Lewis Inc. And uh, check out all the stuff that he and Bree and Andrew do over at KTC TV three. Uh, Seth, when we come back, you know, Christmas Day is a big day for you because one, it's Christmas. Two, it's your birthday. And this year, there might be a lot of work on your birthday. We'll dig into Cajun football, Saints football, little LSU football as well. Number of things to uh, to hit on when we come back right after this. This is the great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather. We'll be right back after this on ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. All right, welcome back into the show, everybody. Just heard a liner there from uh, Lonzo Ball. We talked some Pelicans in the previous segment, talked some high school football and uh, some uh, basketball, college basketball, UL, both women and men, a little bit of LSU as well. We're going to shift gears now with our guest Seth Lewis from KTC TV3 to football. And um, the, Seth, this is – the Sunbelt Conference Championship game on Saturday. You have a, 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 a team that's ranked ninth in the AP against a team that's ranked 13th, uh, excuse me, 17th in the AP. You've got an 11 0 team against the 9 1 team, and that one, their only losses to the team they're playing. This conference, and you've covered them for years, um, unprecedented success this year on the football field. My first question to you is. Is this sustainable? Is this a sign of things to come for the Sun Belt where they are among the strongest of the G5s? And this year, I would say the strongest. I mean, I really don't think it's it's an opinion. I mean, they, the committee can say what they want about the American, but the top of the Sun Belt in terms of the overall resume has been better this year. That's something that many thought we'd, we'd never see, period. So do you think this is something sustainable right now for this conference? Is this thing continuing to trend up? Is this an outlier? Is it, what, what are your thoughts on the conference? Not so much now. I think everybody can see, certainly at the top, how they've done between Louisiana and Coastal, um, and to a lesser extent, App. I know they haven't had a season up to their standards. But my question to you is, where do you think this conference is going over the next two to three years in football? I think this – well, so there's two answers to it, right? I do think the quality of play – is trending towards up. Like, I think this is a trend because I even think last year um, the play in the league was, was really quality. Like, when you when you talk about app and being ranked, when you talk about um, the Cajuns and, and how well, um, you know, they were able to play app state, and then you even talk about, like, some of the upsets that were had, like Coastal upset Kansas last year. You talk about uh, Georgia State upsetting Tennessee. And, I mean, some of those things maybe can just happen in a flash. But, I mean, it was just a little bit too much to, like, ignore. Even, you know, if you want to talk about UL playing Mississippi State, and um, UL gave Mississippi State everything they could handle. I mean, Mississippi State was had their hands on their hips, bent over, um, out of breath, and UL was just standing there like, you know, what's next? You know, if there was another quarter in that game, I think it's a completely different outcome. And so I think this is the trend. I I think this is the trend. And because you look at UL, you look at Coastal this year, 
App State's losses are to the number nine team in the nation, the number seventeen in the, uh, never number seventeen team in the nation, and Marshall, who I'm not sure if they're still ranked or not, but um, but Marshall is a is a is a pretty good team as well. And so, I mean, yeah, I, I think I think this is the trend. I don't know if the rankings and like the the AAC has gotten a lot of respect over the years as far as rankings are concerned. I don't know if the ranking respect will stay because I think some of the ranking respect has come from um, other conferences starting. And so they were in place. Like, I I just don't know from a national perspective if teams will still get the same respect as Coastal being number nine or uh, the Cajuns being in the the top 20. Sometimes that can be a little bit uh, harder on those teams unless they pull off an upset like, I don't know, Beating Iowa State in uh, in game one, but um, but I do think the quality play is staying, and I do think that these upsets that we see in some of these early games um, against Power Five teams, I don't think that's going anywhere anytime soon. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. So, for, by the way, Marshall, I think that they won uh, the East Division in Coos seven and one. Um, they had a, a weird loss to Rice where they they got blown out. Um, but they won all their other games, and they, I think they play UAB this Friday for the championship. So, you know, they're, they're, again, they're not a bottom feeder in the group of five for for sure. You're just referencing that other App State loss, but uh, yeah, it's it's been it's been a it's year. And I, you know, I asked Keith Gill some questions yesterday in a teleconference, and we we played it in the first segment. Um, you you're you're a member of the television media. Do you feel like the Sunbelt, what are your thoughts on, on the job the Sunbelt has done, uh, whether it be good or bad, in regards to promoting the unprecedented success that they've had in football in 2020? As best as I could put it, that they could do better. Um, these things need to be highlighted immediately. And I think it's been highlighted some nationally, but from the conference, it's been a little absent. Uh, I don't, I don't know exactly the reason why, but, um, but a team like Coastal Carolina being in the top ten, a team like the Cajuns being in the top twenty, having these things, having a top twenty matchup in a conference championship game. I mean, to be honest, who, okay, the SEC will have a top twenty matchup in the in the championship game. I guess the Big Twelve will have one. Um, the Big Ten. I guess Northwestern is, is is a top 20 team, but I mean, the Pac-12 won't have a top 20 matchup in their championship game. They, the AAC, which is not power five, but still like they won't have a top 25 matchup in their championship game. I mean, my, my point being, and obviously the ACC does with, uh, the, the with big, the, yeah. I mean, I think the, 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 you, you've got a number of them, but in terms of like, I mean, if you just look number nine versus number seventeen, or if you want to look at the, if you, the Sun Belt. yeah, if you want to look at college football playoff, and you said thirteen versus nineteen, you'd be like, all right, what conference is this? You you, you wouldn't guess the Sun Belt. You might guess, you might guess the American, um, yeah. but uh, you know, I mean, SEC. You I think, might guess, but you might guess the Big Ten. I yeah. Mean, the, the, sometimes the team that's on the other side of Ohio State that's right. isn't that grand. Yeah, and um, and the Big Twelve is is what? Yeah, the Big Twelve's got Iowa State and Oklahoma, and it's like okay, that Iowa State team's ranked pretty high. Give me one of their losses at home by seventeen. You know what I mean? So, I, 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 
mean, like, like, like the ACC without Notre, like, if Notre Dame isn't playing in the ACC this year, who, who is the team that's that's oh, facing that's Clemson good. in the championship game? You know what I'm saying? Like, let me like, I actually, I, let me, let me look that up because I don't even know. Um, uh, Miami it would be Miami. Who just got the doors blown off? Right. Uh, yeah, they lost. They, they gave up. They gave up sixty-two to North Carolina. Yeah. So. I mean, like, and North Carolina's had a good year. There's no disrespect to North Carolina, but it's just to say that, like, this is a really, really quality matchup, and they've had some really, really quality teams, and they've pulled off some really, really quality upsets that go beyond just UL and Coastal Carolina. When you talk about. Uh, Arkansas State beating Kansas State, um, it it just could be better. I mean, it, 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 it could. could be I, I found it. You know, I, yeah, there's there's a lot of response on social and and the transcript of of his response to a few of my questions is over on our website in the ESPN fourteen twenty app this morning. But he didn't he doesn't feel like the media has much sway in regards to a college football playoff committee, and I just. Over the years, back when the BCS was around and seeing coaches that really shout loud and, and commissioners that shout loud and just how watching how the media works in the sports world when you just see momentum, whether it be behind a player for MVP or Heisman or a team that, you know, just once an at-large bid and, and all, all that stuff. I remember Mac Brown just – you know, trying to get Texas into a BCS game back in the mid-2000s, and Cal probably had a stronger one, but he, you know, he's going on TV during a game late in the season between Cal and Southern Miss that was a makeup game because of a hurricane earlier in the year. And in Cal, you know, they didn't look great in that game. They still won, but there's Mac Brown on against Texas. And I don't know that the commissioner has, you know, a, a platform to go on at halftime during a game. I have, I have no idea but I'm sure that Mac fought to get on there, and I'm just using that as an example. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that that's what he should do in regards to Gill. But right. you could be more vocal. My, I guess my thing is, I do think, and maybe, maybe I'm biased, Seth. You and I are in the media, but I do think, certainly, especially from a national standpoint, I do think the media uh, has a little more sway in terms of the mind of some of the voters, whether it be the AP poll or the committee then perhaps people give credit for. I mean, the image of the Sun Belt is not up to par with how with with how they have performed on the field this year in football. I, mean, I think I think for some it's still hard to move on and go ahead. Yeah, let's put it in even simpler terms. This is an unprecedented year for the Sun Belt. I don't care if it has influence or not. It should be promoted and celebrated. Period. This is this is unreal what's happening. And maybe some of it is due to 2020, but like this may, we're, we're talking about it trending in the right direction. This could happen again, but there's a chance this may never happen again in some belt history where two teams are ranked in the top 20 and one is ranked in the top 10 in the AP poll. That may never happen again in the sun, in sun, in the sun belt history. So that is why in itself it should be promoted, celebrated, talked about, stumped about. It doesn't even matter if they, if they're telling you, Oh well, you're doing all that stumping, and it doesn't matter. Who cares? You got a lot to stump and brag about right now. So he, I just think yeah. that in itself is enough. He said plenty of good things about the conference on the teleconference call, but that's the teleconference call happening because it's conference championship week, and um, I don't know. I I I think I think he he does some 
I am not as critical of him perhaps as others are. I think I, I am critical of the lack of visibility and um, just getting out there and, and doing a little bit more. And I was critical of you know their their lack of response to when Coach Looney passed away. So I'm not going to sit here and act like I've I've been nice about it or anything. But anyway, uh, let, let's let's move on. Seth Lewis of KTC TV three, our guest, ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. Uh, Seth, the uh, the New Orleans Saints laid an egg on Sunday and and yesterday morning. I wasn't. I mean, I'm, I wasn't going to sit here and, and try to say anything about. Um, uh, I, I wasn't going to draw any positives to Sunday's performance. If you wanted me to look at the overall an overall positive, well, yeah. I mean, you're you're ten and three. You're going to the playoffs. You got a deep roster. You can you know bounce back. All that stuff. I get it. But but in terms of that actual performance, no, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, oh, it's fine, don't complain. I mean, you're just spoiled. No, be upset. It was it was really lousy. I thought Kat Terrell of the Athletic did a nice job last night on Twitter. She's like, look, here's why people are upset. One, this happens every year. She talks about them having a clunker, right? Like they had on Sunday. She says, two, people Always. people think it means it's going to happen again in the playoffs. She says, three, people are worried it's the last chance for a while because Breeze is almost 42. All of her points are right, Seth. So, you know, like if you if you beat Kansas City and right now they're the three and a half point underdog, uh, betting wise, then then things will will feel slightly better. But I mean, no, I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat what happened on Sunday and and Taysom Hill's performance or anything like that. It was it was just flat out bad on Sunday. Um, do I think that that's going to happen again this Sunday? No. I think even if they if they lose on Sunday, they're going to look better than what they did on Sunday. I mean, it, it was a clunker. Let's see what they do the next few weeks. The goal is is just having it not happen in the playoffs. And um, my question to you is, of all of the issues in the loss to Philadelphia, and there's a lot, which one is your biggest concern in regards to possibly happening in a playoff game and costing the Saints – a shot at another Super Bowl. Biggest concern. That's a good question uh, as far as costing them because the defense, you know, giving up 250 yards rushing, uh, you have, just like you said, you outlined it great that you have reason to be upset with it all. But uh, I will give them the benefit of the doubt as far as moving forward because it had been 55 games since they'd allowed a 100-yard rusher. So that defense um, has been pretty rock solid as a run defense for years now. Um, so I don't think that's a that's a carryover that doesn't concern me. And it was Jalen Hurts' first game, so you didn't you didn't have that much film on him, whatever. Um, I think the thing that would probably concern me the most, because I'm I'm just not sold on Taysom. I, I mean, I'll I'll just say that long term. No, it, no. I mean, me. It, no, I'm likewise. Not, I'm, not, I'm not sold on. I'll tell you some long term. Like I, I, I love the role that he's provided for the Saints uh, over the last few years. It's so invaluable, especially when you think about an NFL roster. Let's say in comparison to like a college roster, because on a NFL roster you can have what only 48. I don't even remember what the number is now. As far as active people on game day. Um, you know, obviously you can have 53 people on your active ro- or I guess that's yeah. You're a lot. You're a lot of few practice squad call ups, 55 yeah, and all that. There's, you know, there's, it's, but, it's 2020 is weird. <laughs> but the, but the point is, limited number of roster spots. So when you have someone who's a backup quarterback who also plays wide receiver, tight end, 
Uh, shoot, you probably could put him at right tackle. I'm only kidding. Um, kick returner. He could kick return. He could punt return. He can uh, play any position on special teams. Like, that is so invaluable. Um, like, it's, it's, it's really hard to understate just how valuable that is, being able to fill all of those positions. But as a quarterback, I'm just not sold. And so if Drew Brees – uh, isn't able to come back for the playoffs for some reason, which all signs of that he's, he's trending towards maybe coming back maybe before the, the end of the regular season. I don't know. Um, you know, but let's say even – let's say Breeze gets re-injured and Sean Payton is like, well, we're going back to Taysom Hill. That would that would worry me. Like, if Taysom Hill is the starting quarterback this Sunday, I don't think – you know, I'm just put this on record. I don't think the Saints have a chance against Kansas City. If Taysom Hill is the is the quarterback, uh, maybe the game could get could be close. I don't I don't know, but uh, against Kansas City, the biggest thing is like you got to keep up with them most of the time. Like you, it ain't really no holding them to 17, 20 points. Like you got to be ready to score a good 28, 35 points in order to have a chance in that game. And so um, that's probably the thing that that worries me the most um, is. If Drew Brees isn't healthy and, you know, Jameis Winston isn't playing, which, you know, I've seen people bring his name up, there's no guarantee that the Saints go undefeated with Jameis Winston as their quarterback. But um, that would that would probably be the thing that, that concerns me the most because I just haven't seen enough to say, yeah, the Saints would be all right um, with him under center. I I have some I have some worries about the interior of that offensive line, man. I just uh, between yeah. between and, Pete, and Pete and Easton I mean, and and Ruiz and you know some of his struggles as a rookie. I think I think all three of those guys are uh, have shown to be really really good run blockers. Um, pass blocking though, yeah. I mean, let's be honest. If Drew Brees is your quarterback and Sean Bain's your head coach, you're going to be throwing the ball. And um, especially in a game where, you know, you, you, if you're playing an explosive offense, certainly Sunday in Kansas City, I think back to how the season ended last year against Minnesota. I think to potential matchups in the NFC, right? I mean, a potential matchup with the Rams, I think of Aaron Donald and crew and Michael Brockers, and it's like, Eesh, you know, I mean, I, I think Armstead is look. Armstead is is really good. Ramchek is really good. I think McCoy is good, but right now he's playing with, you know, one and a half arms. I mean, not literally, but but you know, he's dealing with kind of the RoboCop. Yeah, I don't know what you would call it, cast or not a cast, but he has he's he has, he, he's not at full strength. All right, let's just leave it like that. I'm I'm sure. mumbling here, so. I, that's kind of for me. Like I think the defense will fare better than they showed on Sunday because I, I think they've been showing what they're capable of. Um, I think that uh, you know Quan Alexander teaming up with Demario Davis. I mean, you've seen a big impact there. You've seen growth not on Sunday as all that much, although Quan played good in the second half. I just my big concern right now is the O line in the playoffs. If if they're gonna stub their toe and. The odds of them winning a Super Bowl are not as great as them losing in the playoffs. Let's be real. I think that that if they do lose, it's it's we're probably going to look back at the game and say, "Boy, this was the biggest reason why." That's that's my big concern right now. Yeah, I, I think you're. I think that's a very valid concern. You mentioned the Rams, another team that you know they have to make the playoffs because their record is 
pretty not good. So you know they're coming out of the NFC East. But uh, the Washington football team, haha. That D line, uh, yeah, 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 man, that D line is crazy. Uh, and I, 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 man, I've watched a few uh, Washington games, football team games, I should say. And um, I've been, I, I, I kind of like them. I, I, I kind of like Washington um, with their D line. With Antonio Gibson at running back, with Terry McLaurin at wide receiver. So you figure they'll be playing either Seattle or Tampa Bay or yes. or the Rams, probably one of those three teams. And I, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know. But 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 I agree with you that the interior of the offensive line is something that's uh, certainly a concern. Um, you got to keep Breeze upright. You know when, when he when he gets you got to keep any of them up right when they get back. Um, but yeah, that that that's that's up there for me. The interior offensive line and then Taysom Hill being a, a the the permanent. Um, I don't want to say replacement, but and I say permanent. I'm just talking about this season as of right now. Um, him being someone that is dependent on to um, to really get them places because I look at the Saints. The Saints have had so much success, and I, I don't, I don't think it's exactly this, but it's like this with the way they were playing. Um, and even though they were undefeated, you knew they were due for a loss. Unfortunately, like you, you knew that that was like coming at some point. You know what I mean? Like you, you knew that they, if they ran the table and went sixteen and zero, that was going to be very surprising, at least for me, um, based on some of their performances and. The Saints' defense has played so lights out, you know, um, especially over the last, what, month, month and a half, that I don't think it's the, the same exact thing to the Steelers, right? Like, I, like, I don't – like, they're – if they continue to run the table, I don't think it would have necessarily surprised anyone. But also, the Saints' offense just hasn't – I mean, would you say there's been a game with Taysom Hill where they've just been clicking on, like, all cylinders? and like, No, no, I thought – uh, I thought the first half of the second Atlanta game and the first drive of the second half was good. Um, I yeah. thought that Sunday was horrendous. 100%. I thought the last quarter and a half at Atlanta was bad. Um, I thought the game against Denver was gross. <laughs> and the first game it against was Atlanta gross. was okay. But it was, you know, it was designed to be gross. Uh, yeah. yeah. The, Fa- the Falcons aren't all that good, you know. So, yeah, man, I um, I tell you this. If, if Taysom keeps following the way he is – I don't know that Man. when Breeze comes back, you're going to see Hill featured as much in that quote Swiss Army knife role that that many love to see him in. I mean, we Ingram fumbled twice in a game. Clearly, he was the better option than Tim Hightower. I'm looking back at 2016, granted, but Sean Payton's like, nah, nah, you don't fumble. You fumble that much, you don't play. I mean, Taysom has fumbled 13 times this year. Um, or, or 10, 10 times this year. I'm sorry, 13 in his career. Times. 10 times. Yeah, He's only 10. lost three. But, man, I mean, some of those could have rolled a little differently, and it cost him in the game against Green Bay. Um, it, it's, it's, He's fumbled in some big spots. Yeah, man. He's, so he's, I, when Drew comes back, I'm anxious to see what Taysom's role is, but, but obviously that's, that's got to improve, whether he's the starting quarterback or just, you know, the Swiss Army knife. That's got to improve, or else he's going to be on the bench. End of story. 100%. Uh, he'll, he'll be on the bench and – uh, I, I don't. I don't know if that. Uh, if, if he continues to, to fumble and turn the ball over like that, 
Uh, I, I don't know if that that chance is coming coming later down the road because Sean Payton, homie, don't play that. <laughs> <laughs> homie, homie does not play that. I like the in living color reference. Seth Lewis has yeah. been our guest. ESPN fourteen twenty, ESPN fourteen twenty dot com, in the ESPN fourteen twenty app. Um, <clears throat> I said we would mention uh, a little bit of LSU. It's it's certainly been a rough year uh, from a football standpoint, but uh, that win on Saturday was just drunk. It was nuts. They play their tails off. I know they gave up 609 yards and a lot of big plays and a rate, whatever. In a season where you're, 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 you've had the attrition that that program has had and all the players that have left, uh, thrown shoe, LSU record for longest field goal ever, the weather, in the swamp, true freshman making his first start. I mean, you could go a lot of different ways, but um, but I'm I'm not going to sit here and I'm, I'm, I won't poo-poo anything. That was, that was, that was a heck of a win, man. That I mean they they played their tails off. They were twenty three and a half point underdog. No one thought they were going to win except for maybe you know themselves. But uh, but that was a, uh, that was a heck of a win. I don't know what's going to happen Saturday against Ole Miss, and and obviously they're not going to a bowl game. Uh, but uh, but for LSU, I think in a year where there hasn't been much of anything to celebrate. I shouldn't say a year because it was this year in 2020 that they wrapped up the greatest college sure. football season ever. In a season where there hasn't been much to celebrate at all, they finally got at least one thing to uh, to hang their hat on, and that was that that game at Florida. Yeah. And I think I think lately uh, Florida has been kind of enemy number one for LSU fans, and you know if somebody feels differently, they could correct me, but. I know for a lot of the people that I'm that I'm cool with and that I know, Florida has been kind of enemy number one, especially since the 2016 hurricane fiasco that they had as far as scheduling goes. And <clears throat> it kind of felt like this game was – I said this on Twitter. This game kind of felt like payback for 2016. And the reason why I said that was because Florida was not very good in 2016. That was – the year, obviously, that Les Miles was fired in, in 2016, but they had a really talented squad that was supposed to be a potential contender, and it just didn't work out. But, but clearly the better team than Florida. And Darius Geis went the wrong way on a run, and um, you know Florida left Death Valley with the, with the victory. They had no business winning that game, no business winning Saturday. Oh, you had no business winning Saturday. 23-and-a-half-point underdogs. They were very close to the to the minimum for scholarships scholarship athletes go going in and then they lost multiple players during that contest. I mean, even a couple of the scholarship guys were walk-ons that have earned scholarships for them, and so they were depleted. Uh, and for them to go in there and get a victory like that, um, it's it's definitely a feel good moment. For, for Tiger fans, again, because of, like I said, all of the history that they have with Florida, uh, you know, it felt like they were a shoe in to win that game. Right. But um, no, it's, 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 it's a good win for them. There's still going to be a whole lot of changes. Uh, once, once the season is done, fellas, you, I, I would imagine. Um, but I, I don't know, Scott, it's this weird, this year has just been, for them has been just so weird because, there's the side that's like, well, they should never lose the way that they're losing, right? Like, and it was good to see, you know, if you're a fan, it was good to see the heart that they played with uh, against Florida and being able to pull out a victory like that. But it's like, 
when you just like sit, if you just listed out all of the people that they've lost to the draft, all of the people that they've lost due to uh, opting out, which people can say, oh, that's a that's an internal thing, but like a whole lot of players are opting out this year um, due to COVID nineteen, but due to the NFL has maybe penalized guys before for for opting out. It doesn't seem like it's going to be as big of a penalty because people didn't ha- there was uncertainty dealing with this season. But I mean, the amount of attrition that they have gone through, I think there's only two programs in the nation that could maybe go through that and not have a similar season to LSU, and that's Alabama and Clemson. <clears throat> that's what you're shooting for. But I mean, truthfully, I really think that's the only two programs that can lose that many players and have as bad of a season because, mind you, if LSU had three or four rental wins, now you're talking about a three- or four-win season turning into a seven- or eight-win season. You know what I mean? Like, um, if you if you have some of those non-conference um, games against FCS opponents or against, like, Rice that was supposed to play Rice in Houston, like, those are probably wins. So then you're it, it doesn't look necessarily as bad, but – is it still as bad? It is still as bad. Like if you're losing about 40 points to Auburn and 40 points to, to Alabama. So um, I don't know. It's been a weird year, but uh, LSU will certainly take a victory over Florida and knocking them out of the playoff chances and knocking Kyle Trask out of uh, probably the Heisman chances as well. ESPN 1420.com. It's been, look, some of the attrition is, is, disturbing stuff right and it's stuff from years ago yeah. and I, I, neither you or I are trying to um you know make I guess it's all serious I'll say that we're, we're not you know there are things that are that are bigger than football we know that but for the players currently on this Trish, and I'm talking about players leaving. right right that, that, that's that's, that's, that's what I'm doing as well that right too. That, yeah that, there, I, there's that too yeah, I, I just want to be clear. I just want to be clear. You know, I know. Yeah, how some folks yeah. No, when I when I said attrition, I'm I'm talking about players leaving and coming from the from the program. I'm I, like, there's obviously been the other um, black clouds, uh, the other uh, things that have been going on uh, around the program. That's very very serious. I'm not. That wasn't that wasn't what I was referencing. But um, but that's there too. Um, that that's certainly there too. And and like you said, that's that's certainly very serious. Um, but yeah, as far as attrition of players leaving, coming, even Eric Gilbert, um, last week, you know, um, I've just not, there's not a lot of programs. Most programs would look like LSU looks right now. If they, if they dealt with, with all that. ESPN 1420.com. Seth Lewis has been our guest from KTC TV three. Seth, appreciate you spending uh, a bit of time with us this morning, man. It's been a while since we had you on guys. Go give him a follow on Twitter at Seth Lewis Inc. Appreciate it, man. All the best. We'll be uh, checking out all the stuff y'all are doing at TV three. And uh, I'm sure I will talk to you uh, before 10 days from now, but just in case I don't happy birthday and Merry Christmas. And like I said, busy on Christmas day, Cajuns could be playing a bowl game on Christmas. The Saints are playing a game. The Pelicans are playing a game. So uh, it'll be a busy yet celebratory day for you on the 25th. It will be a busy yet celebratory day for me on the 25th. You can guarantee that part. (laughs) Hey, man, all the best to your family. Uh, Tell them I said hi, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. You got it. Good Good stuff. Good stuff from Seth Lewis. Appreciate him joining us for – uh, a while this morning. Really great stuff. When we come back, 
you know, we, we talked a lot uh, about the Cajuns, the Saints, a little high school football, a little Pelicans. Talked about LSU right there at the end. Talk a little bit more about the Tigers with our next guest, Brody Miller from the Athletic LSU Beat Rider. And that wild win in Gainesville and, and what – what comes next? Not next is in this week against Ole Miss, but what's this offseason going to look like? You just heard Seth mentioning, hey, there's probably still going to be some changes in this offseason. What, what might those look like? We'll ask Brody that and more next right here on ESPN1420.com. It's the great Scott Show. Don't go anywhere.